0: Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the last day of February, the 28th of February, 2023. Sunny day here in the southeast. I know uh, they are getting a big snowstorm up in the northeast. Their first one they've had all winter. Um. I think, you know, as they had an inch or two of snow in Connecticut uh, back in December, and that's been it. Uh, but uh, they're expecting upwards of eight inches today, and God bless them, I got out of town just in time. Uh, we're back from our trip, enjoyed my trip up to the northeast. Uh, the, the drive is just, the older I get, the worse it gets. But I had a great trip up there. Uh, I had a lot of fun catching up with uh, family and friends. I had actually planned on being here yesterday yesterday. Um, But when I got up in the morning, it just that it was you know the the 15 hour drive, and I felt like I'd gotten kicked in the head by a mule. So we took yesterday off, but we're back, and uh, I'm glad that uh, you're with us here this morning on Sports Country Radio. Um, Lots to get to this morning. Got a lot of baseball stuff to talk about as the uh, spring training games have finally started. Hallelujah! Uh, So we're going to talk about uh, some of the new rules and um, a little bit of the results yesterday. Although you don't get too wrapped up with uh, what you see. Uh, about results in Major League Baseball and spring training. Although this spring training is going to be really strange simply because of the fact that everybody um, is going to be losing a good number of players to um, uh, the World Baseball Classic. So you really don't know, uh, you know, you're not going to have your full lineup for a good part of it simply because of that uh so that's going to be interesting. So we'll uh, we'll get into all that in a minute. Uh the other big thing happening today um is the Supreme Court is going to be hearing arguments about the student loan forgiveness program that was brought out by Joe Biden and it was immediately challenged by uh, some Republicans, by a couple of student loan borrowers who would not qualify for the program. So uh, this has uh, been going on for a while. It's Everything's been on hold. Of course, payments have been on hold since the pandemic, which has been a godsend. But there's a lot of people really panicking about the fact that these things are getting ready uh, to kick in again. And there is a lot of concern that there is going to be uh, – people not being able to pay you know um now look I get the argument for a lot of people where they have said hey I went to college I took student loans I paid mine back so why should uh, you know anybody else get a free pass it's a fair point I can't argue that I really can't um I think there's a, well, there's a few things here. Number one, the cost of higher education has gone up so much. Uh, that has <laughs> talk about inflation. The, ta- the, the price of higher education has gone up exponentially faster than wages in the United States, cost of living, et cetera, et cetera. So you know a, a student loan that somebody took out 20 years ago or 25 years ago, compared to what a kid has to take out now in student loans to go to a university was a lot less in terms of the percentage of, of uh, your income and your ability to pay it back. There's, you can't, you can't argue that look up the numbers. It's ridiculous. It's disgusting. You know, and unfortunately, and and my wife and I have talked about this a lot that, you know, where college has become an extension of high school, you know, it's not even a thing anymore where, excuse me, where it makes sense that, you know, you have to go to college. But, you know, the problem is, is the private sector with jobs has gotten to a point where they've made it more difficult without a college degree. You damn near can't get a job, any kind of a management job without a degree, even though having a degree isn't necessarily going to mean anything. You know, we have people with degrees in biology getting jobs as managers at places just because the place requires you to have a college degree it's silly um and make no mistake the 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 program that joe biden wants to do isn't going to wipe out all the debt but it's going to wipe out a good portion of it because i think they said uh about half of the people that take out student loans their debt is you know under twenty thousand dollars Um, I'm sure my oldest daughter or my youngest daughter wishes that was the case for her because, uh, four years of undergrad and a couple of years of, uh, grad school and, uh, you know, her, her debt is significantly bigger than that. Uh, but every little bit helps. And, but the, you know, the, the, they are challenging the Biden's ability to do this because it didn't go through Congress. He was using the 2003 heroes act which allows the secretary of education to moderate modify terms of federal student loans in the case of a national emergency and the pandemic qualified as a national emergency. The problem is, is that the national emergency is essentially over. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, we're still dealing with some of the effects of it, but it is not uh, what we were facing back in 2019. So we'll see. Um, you know, and with the six three conservative majority, I am not hopeful that this will pass. Do I think it should? I do. I really do. I mean I'm not I'm all for if you take you know, if you have a debt, you need to pay it back. But I think that with what institutions of higher learning did and look, I'm a guy that worked for twenty five years in colleges. You know, my my career was built in higher education. But I also saw how difficult it was, especially for the first half of my career, over half of my career, was spent at a Division three school, uh, you know, where they don't give athletic scholarships and, you know, kids were really struggling to find a way to go to school. So I really believe that this makes sense. I understand, you know, some people aren't going to like it, but I think it's going to help our economy. Look, kids are never going to be able to buy houses. Hell, trying to buy a car now is, is like an act of Congress because even the prices of used cars have gone through the roof. So I'm in favor of this. I don't know whether it's going to, you know, what what will happen, but with the 6-3 majority for the, uh, the conservatives in the uh, uh, Supreme Court, I'm not optimistic. And if it doesn't pass, it means that, you know, Joe Biden's going to have to find another way, and I don't know what that looks like. I mean, the one thing he probably could do would be to continue, at least for a while, to pause the payments. But at some point, things are going to have to change. And with the Republicans in charge of the Senate, I mean, the House now, it's going to be difficult to get any legislation passed to get this through. So we'll see. That's the you know it's something that people have been waiting on for a while. They'll have the arguments today. It's probably going to be another two three weeks before we see a decision. Um, but that's where we're at. So, all right, let's get to uh, to sports. And uh, what a what a joy it was yesterday. And I don't you know look I, I'm you know how big a baseball fan I am. What a joy it was yesterday for me to watch my first spring training game. I watched the Red Sox game against Minnesota. And to have a game move along at a pace that I remember from when I was younger and to have a spring training game get over in two and a half hours. It was phenomenal. There is no other way to put it. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. You know, you don't have, you didn't have guys uh, stepping out of the box, taking 87 minutes to get back in the box, and a pitcher walking around the mound, and, oh, my God. Two hours and 24 minutes to play a 4-1 game yesterday. You know, and the Red Sox had a game a couple days ago. I didn't watch it because I was on the road, but it was a 7-6 game with 36 base runners, and it, uh, it took two and a half hours the same kind of game the previous year in spring training with the Red Sox and the Rays had taken over three hours. On average, it has cut down 20 minutes a game from last year's spring training. It's a beautiful thing, you know. um, So I think that of all the new rules, this one is a winner. I think that, you know, look, hey, and now, you know, one of the arguments against baseball, oh, it takes forever. Hey, look, two and a half hours for a baseball game is less time than it takes to play an NFL football game, is less time than it takes to, to have an NBA basketball game, or about the same as an NBA basketball game, about the same time it takes to get a hockey game over. So that argument no longer holds water. So you can't, you're not going to be able to hold, and it's stuff is moving. You know, pitchers have 20 seconds to throw the pitch. Batters have eight seconds to get in the batter's box. You know, it's awesome. You can't be stepping out of the box between pitches and walking around and adjusting every piece of your uniform and, you know, the batting gloves 82 times and, you know, sitting there closing your eyes, taking a deep breath and meditating about the next pitch you're going to see. It's gotten ridiculous so this is a beautiful thing, and it has not caused the big furor that a lot of people thought that it would. I think we're already seeing people get on board with it. Max Scherzer yesterday was like, "Hey, this kind of puts the control back in the hands of the pitcher." Now I don't look. I I hear what he's saying, but I mean, look to a point, it does. Yeah, I mean, but you still you still only have. You know, a limited number of amount of time to, to pitch. But, look, there were some guys that were ready to throw a pitch or were starting to throw a pitch, you know, with a, a, a 11 seconds into the pitch clock. You know, they still had nine seconds left they could have messed around with, and they were quick pitching. But Scherzer's saying, hey, I could hold this right until the last second and not start my windup until there's, you know, 19 seconds on the clock. So, yeah, all right, he can control the pace to a degree, but there's still going to be that clock for every batter. And, look, uh, everybody's going to look for whatever option they can. Uh, Justin Turner yesterday spoke about, you know, I was concerned about that I was going to feel rushed. And he said, you know, I got in the box and I looked up, but I still had 10 seconds left. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, uh, a lot of the younger players aren't going to have a problem with it because they've dealt with it in the minor leagues for a while. Um, so I think that this is this is a no-brainer, a no-brainer. Um, there was a great TikTok I saw yesterday. It it it, uh, it was on Twitter, and they showed action. Now, look, I understand it was seven years ago, but it was from the A uh, the NLCS back in 2016. Pedro Baez was pitching for the Dodgers. And they showed how many times Jose Altuve ran around the bases on an inside-the-park home run and superimposed that against how long it took Pedro Baez to throw a second pitch in an at-bat. Guess what the answer was? Seven times. Jose Altuve could have circled the bases seven times on an inside-the-park home run between pitches. That Pedro Baez threw. Think about that. That's insane. You know, and the Red Sox have one of the slowest workers in baseball on their staff now. And, and Kenley Jansen. And Kenley Jansen admitted, look, I'm slow. I was slow. I get it. I'm going to have to adapt. You know, I think that it is going to be a positive. There is. I see no. Negative to this whatsoever. The only part of this I'm against is the fact that the pitcher can only throw over to first base twice. After you do it twice, if you try it again, you have to pick him off or it becomes a balk. Not, not only that, it's actually what's called considered disengagement. So, you know, let's say you're having trouble getting the signals from the catcher, right? And you want to step off the rubber to get the signs again. Well, if you do that, that's considered one disengagement. So now you can only throw over to first base once before it's a balk. And look, you know, it's going to cause it's going to probably cause more stolen bases, more stolen base attempts, and people are like, look, hey, but it's action. That's what we want. We want action. So, okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, I'll live with that. But at the end of the day, I think people are already on board with it. Uh, Through the first 35 spring training games over the weekend, there were 69 pitch timer violations. So 35 games, 69 violations, so about 2 a game. And that included 35 violations in the 16 games on Sunday. So I think that and that's going to go down. They saw that in the minor leagues when they started this a few years ago that you know the first week or so, you know there were about 2 violations a game, that dropped significantly after that to the point where it didn't become really an issue. You know, you'd see maybe 1 a game. I'm all for it. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, the throwing over thing, it is what it is. I, I understand the need to try to get more action in the game, keep people interested. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, when the Red Sox go to the West Coast, and I like to watch all the games, and, and when they're out playing on the West Coast, it is brutal because the games don't start till 10 o'clock at night. And with games taking three and a half hours, it was one thirty in the morning, and I had trouble making it through. As a matter of fact, there were many I didn't make it through. Now with games taking two and a half hours, we're looking at half past midnight. You know, and if a game is is out of hand, we're looking at you know uh, I could be in bed by 11 30, 12 o'clock. So it's there's no question that this is a positive. Um, I thought the. Uh, the change to the uh, shift i think people are okay with that they've gotten on board with that we've seen a lot of balls falling in that might not have before or or going you know uh into holes that wouldn't have been there before if they've been able to shift i'm okay with that too you know and i understand people are like hey the shift's been around forever how can you outlaw that because it was abused you know It's the old give them an inch, they take a mile. It got to a point where the rules were being abused and the game was unwatchable. Between, you know, all the pimping at the home plate and pimping on the mound and the shifting and everything, the game had become unwatchable. And it was the diehard people like me that kept the game alive, but you were losing an entire generation of fans because they were like, Jesus. What's, you know, can somebody do something? So, uh, you know, look, and I, I'm a guy that is, I am not a Rob Manfred fan. Anybody that has listened to this show for the five years that it's been on know that I think the guy's a clown. But I think this is positive. You know, and people are bitching. Ah, you know, they went to people that don't even watch baseball and asked their opinion of what would make the sport more watchable. Hey. Hey. Those are the people you should be asking. You shouldn't be asking me because I'm going to watch the game anyway. Right? You should be asking the people that aren't diehard baseball fans, that are maybe casual fans or hardly watch at all because of the pace of play, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the people you should be asking. And every sport adapts. Even my wife said yesterday, look, you know, Barb is a, a casual fan. She's a fan because I force her to watch it. <laughs> Tie her down in the recliner and say, hey, we're watching baseball. But even she said yesterday, I don't understand why they're doing this. You know, why change the game? It has, you know, it's been that way forever. Why change the game? And I said, look, every sport adapts. Baseball adapted. I mean, it's been a while. But if you remember after, I think it was after the 70, what season was it? I No, it was in the 60s. I can't remember the exact, the exact year. But it was a year when the pitchers absolutely dominated. There was no hitting whatsoever. Bob Gibson was killing people. You know, that was a year he had an ERA of like 1.1 because the mound was too high. They lowered the mound. It made a big difference. I mean, by and large, baseball hasn't changed a lot. Football has. They've adapted a lot of new rules. There's things you, can do, you could do years ago you can't do now. Uh, you know, basketball has changed some rules. Hockey has changed. Remember when hockey, you couldn't make a pass the length of the rink. They used to have a two-line pass. Like any pass that you made couldn't go past more than two lines or, you know, it was, you know, the play stopped and we had a face-off. You know? So all sports change. All sports have to adapt. And I think this is an opportunity for baseball to make the sport more appealing to the casual fan. I don't think the uh, – I don't think the size, of the, the difference in the bases is going to make that much of a difference. Now, I mean, they they held the bases up, and do they look significantly bigger? Yep. Is it going to change a couple of things, maybe on some bag bag plays or some uh, stolen bases that maybe the guy's going to be safe because the bag is, you know, you know a few inches uh, longer, a few inches bigger, and he's going to get to it sooner? Yeah, it might. But by and large, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. So I think um, everything they've done, is going to be a net positive. I think batters are going to be less frustrated with the with the shifting rules going away. It's going to make the game move along faster, and obviously the pitch clock. There is just no doubt. Honest to God, we watched that game yesterday, two and a, two hours and twenty four minutes. It all in the beginning, it almost felt too fast, right? Um, because you're you've gotten so used to the snail's pace. But this is baseball the way baseball was when I was a kid. And not just when I was a kid. When going into my thirties, baseball still was a lot faster than it is now. But God, when I was a kid, I remember baseball games only ever took two, maybe between two, two and a half hours. There were a lot of games that got over in, you know, two hours and fifteen minutes. It's a beautiful thing. And I think, look, I don't, baseball was in no danger of dying, right? Uh, look, they made $10 billion in revenue last year. $10 billion. So baseball was in no danger of dying. But what they were in danger of was losing a lot of fans when people like me start dying. And I'm closer to dying than I am anything else. At, 60, at almost 63 years of age, right? How, how long have I got left? <laughs> I hope a long time so I can continue to torture people. But, you know, the average – I would, I would wager that the average fan of Major League Baseball is older than the average fan of any of the other major sports in the United States. I, I haven't seen statistics on that, but I would be willing to bet you that it's Major League Baseball has the average oldest fan, and I don't think it's close. So, I've uh, got some other baseball news to talk about. There's a lot of uh, things going on around camps. We'll get to that in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on Sports Country. It is 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Tuesday morning, uh, last day of February. <laughs> Where has the time gone? For those of you up in the Northeast, hope you're staying safe uh, with the snow falling. Um, my, sh- my sister called me a few choice words uh, in a text message yesterday because I had, le- I had left and I'm not there to help her shovel snow today, but I'm sorry. Not really. Um, other things from baseball uh, that happened yesterday. Injury bugs have already started. Look, that's natural. We see that a lot in spring training, uh, but there. Um, – is at least one that if you are a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers, you have to be concerned with. Uh, Gavin Lux went down when he was running between second and third yesterday in a game against the San Diego Padres, uh, clutching his right leg. And he had to be carted off the field. And look, Lux is a guy that is penciled in to be their starting second baseman. Also can play shortstop, Uh, one of their good young players. uh, They can ill afford to lose him, but there is a lot of concern. He is having an MRI today, so everybody who is a Dodger fan and in that organization uh, is holding their breath a little bit, uh, and you hope uh, that he is going to be okay. If you are a Tampa Bay Rays fan, you were very excited about your pitching staff. Hey, everybody's healthy. We're going to be okay. Well, Tyler Glass now, who missed almost all of last year, was six pitches into a live batting practice session yesterday and suffered um, an abdominal pull. He's having an MRI today. And, you know, look, hey, the good news is it's an abdominal pull. It's not anything to do with the elbow or the shoulder. So you're happy about that. However, an abdominal pull – is something that can linger for a while. And when you're a pitcher and it's all about your upper body and your abdomen, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that could keep him out a while. So, uh, that was not good news. If you are a Tampa Bay Ray fan, uh, the Cubs announced yesterday, uh, that their Japanese player, Seiya Suzuki has pulled out of the world baseball classic. He was supposed to play for Japan. Um, but he was scratched from Chicago's game on Saturday. He's got left oblique tightness and, uh, uh, the players are supposed to report to their World Baseball Classic teams coming up here in the next couple of days, and Suzuki has decided that uh, he is not going to play for Japan. And look, he I'm sure that that the Cubs had a lot to say about that, because at the end of the day, uh, this World Baseball Classic is great. You know, go in and play for your country. I think this is, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. But at the end of the day, the major league teams are paying your salary. And I'm sure... The Cubs said, hey, I know you want to, but we don't want you to. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Hopefully it's nothing um, uh, too severe. Uh, You know, one other thing about the the pitch clock that they have in baseball now, and they they didn't have it in the Red Sox game I watched yesterday, and I watched some of the Yankee-Tiger game yesterday as well. They didn't have it there. I am hoping that the television networks – don't decide to put a clock, a camera, on the pitch clock and superimpose that, so that we're we're seeing a constant countdown of the play of the pitch clock. The way they do, you know, how in the NFL on the play clock they always have that on the screen. I'm hoping they don't do that with baseball, because it'll it'll be very distracting. And actually, in some cases, it could be downright uh, uh, anxiety-inducing, right? If you're a fan of a team and there's two seconds left on the clock and your guy hasn't started pitching, you're like, "Oh my god!" You know. So I'm hoping they don't do that. There's been no talk one way or the other whether they will, but I am I am praying to all that is holy uh, that they do not decide to do that. Uh, so. Uh, that's where we're at as far as that goes. As I said, the Red Sox won their spring training game yesterday. They beat um, the Minnesota Twins four to one. Nothing to get too excited about because it's a preseason game. However, uh, Jaron Duran, the young center fielder for the Red Sox, who uh, has been up for part of the last couple of seasons with Boston and has struggled, and it's one of those guys. He's kind of in a. He's in a make or break time. He's got to you know he's got to show them something, or he could be. Traded, sent back down to the minors. He may have run out of chances with the Red Sox if he doesn't do something uh, here. Well, he got off to a great start. Playing in his first uh, spring training game yesterday, two for two, solo home run, and he made a great catch um, against the wall in center field with the sun in his eyes. And he is not a great center fielder. Or left fielder. He's just not a great outfielder. He doesn't take good roots to the ball. That's been one of the big knocks on him in addition to the fact that he strikes out too much. He's got blazing speed. He was two for two yesterday. The double that he had was basically um, a, a a ball down the left field line. that ricocheted off the side wall in shallow left field. Left fielder got to it. Joey Gallo threw it to second base, but Durant is so fast, he was in there easily. There are very few guys that would have been able to get a double on that play, and Durant with his speed did. So that's the part about him that is so appealing is that he is faster than hell. you know. And they got Adalberto um this year who's injured, but he's getting ready to come back. He's one of the fastest guys in baseball as well. I mean, if you could have a, weapons like that with speed, especially with the way they're speeding up the game and the fact that you can't throw over the first base a million times, he could be a great asset, but he's got a hit. And he's got to be able to field, and he got off to a great start yesterday. So we'll see if he can continue that. The other guy that's kind of in a make or break time with the Red Sox as to whether or not he's going to stick around, Bobby Dahlbeck. Well, Dalbec uh, a, a double yesterday, uh, one for two. Uh, he is three for his first four in spring training. You know, with a couple with a home run and a couple of doubles. Uh, you know, we can't get too excited. Again, it's a preseason game. However. He's looked good, you know, and the question is, is what are they going to do with him? Because they now have Justin Turner, who's mainly going to be a DH, but he can also play first. He can also play third, uh, which is kind of what Dahlbeck does as well. Do they maybe play him a little bit in the outfield this spring? Maybe he competes for the outfielders, the fourth outfielder job with Duran and Ref Snyder. Uh, you know, with with Mondesi not being ready to go right at the start of the season, maybe he fills in as that utility infielder role. I don't know. The problem is, is that the Red Sox have a couple of guys that showed great promise, have kind of been disappointing, and now they've got some decisions to make. Now, there were, were some teams that were interested in Dahlbeck, so maybe the Red Sox can move them for, you know, a prospect. The problem is, at this point, you know, people wanted Bobby Dalbeck and Jaron Duran a couple of years ago when they were hot prospects in the Red Sox farm system, and the Red Sox could have gotten more for them. With them kind of being disappointing uh, with their with their first performances with the Red Sox, eh, you're not going to be able to get as much. But, you know, we'll see. You know, as the one thing we all know in baseball, injuries happen all the time, so it might be better off just to stash those guys down there. You got them as an insurance policy if you need it. Um the Red Sox also uh, announced that Garrett Whitlock um is behind schedule. He has been held out of fielding drills. He of course had hip surgery back in September. He is not ready to go yet. He's been throwing the ball, he's moving okay. Um Alex Cora said they're not concerned, but they're taking their time with him. And because of that, the chances of him being ready for the start of the season is diminishing. And of course, they could because they're they're going to want to stretch him out because the idea was that he was going to be a starter this year. So, uh, you know, well, that's something to keep an eye on. Now, the Red Sox have several starters. Uh, matter of fact, you could almost make the case they have too many starters. If he's not ready, uh, it'll you know open up a spot for somebody else. Cutter Crawford actually looked pretty good yesterday. Maybe he's going to be one of those guys uh, that could have a chance to fill in if uh, Garrett Whitlock is not ready to go. Um, one other thing, Matsus- uh, Matsusaka Yoshida, the young kid they got from Japan, uh, has been uh, a little underwhelming at the start of his, uh, Red Sox career. Again, I know it's spring training, let's not get carried away, but he is, uh, he's one, he was one for five so far. He went over three yesterday. He struck out twice. Didn't look great. Um, he will have two more days of conditioning with the Red Sox and then he leaves uh, for Japan to play for the Japanese team in the WBC. So, um, you know, he'll have to wait until he gets into some WBC games before he is going to see more Major League pitching. Um, Major League Baseball announced yesterday, this is interesting, the average salary rose almost 15% last season. So the average Major League salary now, and now before I give you this number, it's a little bit misleading the average salary in Major League Baseball last year was $4.22 million. A lot of money, no question. But that is the highest rate of increase since there was a 17.7% increase in 2000, which, by the way, in 2000, the average salary was 1.61. Now, why is that number deceiving? Because the majority of that money was based, it was in four contracts. The huge deals that Max Scherzer got, uh, that Marcus Semien got, that Corey Seager got down in Texas, and that Francisco Lindor uh, is getting from the New York Mets. So the salaries of like four guys skewed this. It still would have gone up, but I don't think it would have gone up to that degree. So it's kind of hard to... uh, you know look none of these guys are going to be on the breadline considering the minimum major league salary is around $700,000 a year so uh and and i can guarantee you there is nobody listening to my show that is making that kind of coin so i get it it's a lot of money but the 4.22 million is a little bit deceiving um but still uh you know and look so the the average salary um had been dropping in each of the uh, previous seasons. The last four seasons, it's dropped. And if you remember, part of the reason that we had that lockout that ended last March, part of the reason for that was because the players were considering going on strike because of the fact that salaries had been dropping. And, you know, they finally struck a deal that was... I don't think it was really something that either one wanted. It still was skewed in front in favor of the owners. And in 2026, when this current deal runs out, you better buckle up because it sounds as though the owners uh, who are putting together a finance committee, it sounds as though the owners are going to want to try for a salary cap. And, you know, Tony Clark, who is the head of the baseball players union has said, we will absolutely not accept a player cap. If that is the case and the owners dig their heels in, it could be a very long strike. And here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Baseball is the only major sport in the United States that does not have a salary cap. The NBA does, the NHL does, the NFL does. And there are some, there's wiggle room in all of them and ways you can fight, creatively do things to still sign guys when you're over the cap. But every other major sport does accept baseball. It is inevitable that this is going to happen. And if the, and if the players dig in as badly as I think they're going to, it could mean in 2027 we don't have baseball. I hope it doesn't come to that. But I think that the players are going to have to start wrapping their heads around the fact that there could be a cap. If the And look, if they have a cap, here's how that can be offset to a degree. If they're going to have a salary cap, there also has to be a salary minimum. We can't have teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland Athletics that are spending 50, 60, 70 million dollars when most teams are spending close to 200 million dollars or at least in the mid-100s. So, if you're going to have a cap, if you institute a floor, the, 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 the top-spending t- teams like the Mets, who have really skewed things and they're part of the problem right now with Steve Cohen spending all that money, if you're going to make him spend less money, but you can make the other clubs forced to spend more money, then a lot of that can be offset. And it also will make it less likely that we can have a quote-unquote super team, like what the Mets have done now where they signed everybody and their brother, you know, Now, they still have to win. I mean, how many th- we have seen many times in the last few years that the team that spends the most money doesn't win the World Series, right? So uh, it doesn't guarantee that the Mets are going to win, but they are going to be a juggernaut. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But if they can, you know, and, and it's great that the players are making more money, but at some point the rubber has to meet the road or this, or the sport is going to reach a breaking point, and I think that's what people are worried about. And I'm not pro-owner, don't get me wrong. I believe the players should make whatever they can get. But it also has to make financial sense or there won't be a sport. So you want a cap? Fine. But the owners are going to have to agree to a floor. And maybe that floor has to be $100 million. And maybe the cap is somewhere around $225, 230000000 kind of like what they have now for the luxury tax threshold. And if you bring even and, – and really, look, we only have – we're probably only going to have a handful of teams, five or six that are going to spend over that. I mean, that's way over it. But we're only going to have five or six teams that are going to spend over it. But we have a whole bunch that are going to spend way less than what the average team is spending in Major League Baseball. So there has to be a way to close that gap between the top and the bottom. And if they do that, I think it'll be a little bit more palatable. 47 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call on a Tuesday morning. Uh, the Boston Bruins last night won their seventh game in a row. Uh, they're in the middle of a West Coast swing. They beat the Edmonton Oilers yesterday 3-2. to Pavel Zaka with the tie-breaking goal uh, late in the second period. Uh, but, uh, Thomas Nosek, uh, Nick Foligno with the other goals for the Bruins. Jeremy Swayman, 22 sh- uh, saves, his third straight win. Uh, look, The Bruins are now the fastest team in NHL history to record 46 games. They have 59 wins in 46 games. They have only lost eight games in regulation all season. It is unbelievable. Uh, Connor McDavid did his best to try to keep Edmonton in it last night. He scored twice. Uh, He's got 50 goals for the first time in his career. Um, It is the 61st game of the season for Edmonton. Only Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry uh, hit the 50-goal mark in a season faster uh, than McDavid did. It's also McDavid's eighth goal in his last four games. Uh, The Bruins will wrap up their four-game West Coast swing tonight. Uh, It's a 9 o'clock p.m. start on the East Coast against Calgary. Uh, This is one of those where I'm hoping I can stay awake um, it's a, a nine o'clock start. That means we're looking at uh, eleven thirty, quarter twelve, before it gets over. I'll do my best. Uh, the Bruins win, but the Celtics do not. The Celtics no longer have the best record uh, in the NBA. They lose to the New York Knicks last night. Excuse me. Final was one hundred nine to ninety four. Jason Tatum rough night. Uh, got tossed out of a game for the first time in his career. Uh, finished with just fourteen points. He had nine assists, seven rebounds, but he struggled all night. Uh, Shot just six of 18 and uh, picked up his second technical foul in the fourth quarter and got tossed. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon uh, led the Celtics with 22 points. Uh, Jalen Brown did not play, missed the game for personal reasons. Uh, Marcus Smart had 19, uh, but uh, the Celtics could not shoot from outside last night. They were two for their first 22 from three point range. I repeat, they made just 2 of their first 22. Didn't stop from shooting them though. <laughs> they finished up 9 of 42 from three point range. Uh after the half, they I mean the game was just it was over at halftime. The Celtics were never able to make any kind of a run in the second half. Um so now the Celtics fall percentage points behind the Milwaukee Bucks. The Celtics have played 62 games. The Bucks have only played 60. Uh, Celtics have 44 wins. Bucks have 43, but the Bucks have lost 17 to the uh, uh, Celtics, 18. So they technically have the best record. Uh, the Celtics and the Knicks are going to play again this weekend. Uh, but before then, uh, the Celtics have to play uh, Cleveland on Wednesday. And uh, look, they've got to shake this one off. There's still, they're still, I still think they're the, I still think they're the best team in the East if they're healthy. I mean, Milwaukee's going to be a handful. The Celtics have handled uh, the 76ers fairly easily. Um, matter of fact, beat them again on the weekend. By the way, you know, and look, my family comes from from the from Philadelphia. They are the worst fans ever in any sport. Honest to God. And I'm sorry if any of you listening are Philly are are Philadelphia fans, but Jesus, Marcus Smart. Uh, relayed a story about uh, how one of the uh, Phil, uh, the 76er fans in the game on Sunday uh, said to him, hey, I hope you tear your ACL. Classy, really classy. And, you know, we've seen what happens uh, <laughs> after, uh, after Eagles games. And, I mean, you know, you have to grease up the poles, uh, the light poles to stop people from climbing on light poles and turning over cars. And, oh, my God. Philly is just a zoo. It really is. Uh, Other NBA news, uh, LeBron James got hurt uh, yesterday. He hurt his right foot, and he is going to be out for a little while. Their concern is that he may miss a few weeks. He is having more tests done today, um, but they're calling it right foot soreness. The concern is he may have broken something. Um, he actually got hurt on Sunday. Uh, He played 37 minutes when they beat Dallas. Uh, They were down 27. They came back to win that game. But when the game was over, he walked off. He was limping badly. Uh, Did not play in yesterday's game. And, uh, look, the Lakers are out of the playoff position right now. They are in 12th place. um, But they're only a game out of the 10th and final spot in the play-in tournament. Um, So, and only really Two and a half games behind Dallas for sixth place. That's how tight it is. But without LeBron James, they're screwed. Uh, Charlotte took a big blow yesterday as well. LaMelo Ball uh, broke his ankle uh, in the game last night. They beat the Detroit Pistons. um, Ball, who missed 27 games earlier this season uh, with a sprained left ankle, uh, which he did in the preseason. I mean, look, they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, but, man, that that team is going to really struggle now without him. And, look, Ball had been playing well. Five straight double-doubles. Uh, he had 18 points and six rebounds and five assists um, before he had to leave the game uh, with that ankle, and the x-ray later showed that it was broken. So uh, he is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, UConn women's basketball, the ninth-ranked team in the country, with a win yesterday. Uh, they struggled, but they beat Xavier 60-51. to They start the the Big East tournament um, on Saturday at noon. They have to face Marquette or St. John's. Both those teams beat UConn in the regular season. What a blow that would be if they lost in the first round of the Big East tournament. Uh, but they're just tired. Gino Auriemma has run everybody to death. You know, With all the injuries and everything and only playing six players, uh, I don't know what these girls have left in the tank. And it would not shock me if they don't win the Big East tournament. Wouldn't shock me at all. They're still projected, even being the ninth seed, they're still projected to be a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. But, man, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be betting a farm on that one. Uh, and some sad news, Terry Holland passed away over the weekend. Uh, Terry Holland, longtime basketball coach, athletic director at the University of Virginia. Uh, he was also the AD at Davidson for a while. Uh, he is a guy that took over a Virginia team in 1974 that had had just three winning seasons in 21 years and turned that team around. Two of his first three teams had losing records. uh, But after that, they only had one more in his career there. They were 326 and 173. He led Virginia to nine NCAA tournaments, two Final Fours, and an NIT title. Uh, Classy guy, too. Got to meet him a couple of times. uh, But he passed away at the age of 80 uh, on Sunday. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We'll leave you this morning with a little music by Cole Swindell. Enjoy your day, and if you're up in the Northeast, stay safe. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.